G'day guys, thanks for joining us on the Noob Spiro podcast today. You're joining Turbo and I in studio along with our partner spearfishing.com.au who have helped us bring this show to you today. Now you can use the code Noob Spiro at checkout at spearfishing.com.au to save $20 on all purchases over 200 That goes along with competitive shipping rates worldwide and a 90-day no-hassles returns policy. You can also visit Adreno in their physical stores in Melbourne, Sydney or Brisbane and just check out a huge range of spearfishing equipment. So shop with our sponsors spearfishing.com.au and support the Noob Spiro podcast. Hey guys, very happy to announce that Speared Apparel have come on board with the Noob Spiro and uh, we'd just like to let you know that Speared have released their brand new Novo wetsuit. It's absolutely fantastic. The camo colors look amazing. It's really stretchy, but the cool thing about it is it doesn't require any lube. I know on cold mornings, my most hated thing is lubing up a wetsuit and getting into it. It's uncomfortable. I just, I hate it. And as this wetsuit doesn't require any lube, it means you're probably going to get in the water first, and that means get the fish first. So uh, that's very, very important. So get on to speardapparel.com, use the code NOOBERS at checkout, that's N-O-O-B-E-R-S at checkout, and you'll save 10% off any purchase store-wide. That's speardapparel.com, use the code NOOBERS at checkout, save yourself 10%. G'day boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Noob Spiro podcast. Today we have an absolute cracker interview for you with none other than Adventure Man Dan. Adventure Man Dan, who is he? Well, he is a young American bloke traveling the world, spearfishing the world. He's uh, he's done Australia, he's done New Zealand, he's done South Africa, and now he's off to the Middle East. Um, it's awesome to follow along on Facebook, and it's awesome to watch him on Instagram and what he's up to there. Absolutely very entertaining stuff, great guy, and it seems like the spearfishing community has been very kind to him. He's reached out to a lot of people on his travels, and they've taken him out spearfishing. So uh, he's living the dream, and he lays out for us how you can live the same dream as him and make the most of your world travel and your spearfishing travel. But before we get into it, Shrek, we have a fantastic review for the 99 Tips to Become Better at Spearfishing book. That's right. It wasn't from either of our mums. Uh, I don't know what happened here. He's not related mum's to internet, either of us. My mum's internet crashed, so she's been offline. There's been no reviews. Good old country New South Wales internet. So Peter Denton, he is an absolute cracker of a bloke. We've had a few exchanges with him. His review says on Amazon.com, this fabulous ebook is an absolute must for every enthusiastic Spiro's library, from noob to veteran. Not only is each tip just stuffed with actionable intel on how to max out your hunt, but each tip has tips within tips. The publisher must have had a character limit which kept the quantity of tips in the title to double digits, because in reality this is easily triple digits of tips, <laughs> certainly well into the hundreds. <laughs> I read this book on the fly to my latest spearfishing trip and was a much better sparrow as a result. Landing the most epic fish of my life. My bottom times exploded. My hunting was highly stealthy and the fish feared me more than ever. Plus, this book comes from the esteemed producers of the New Spiro podcast. Oh. Finally, some serious stuff. Yeah. So you can listen to all sorts of epic Spiro talk from down under to further hone your skills and connect with the Spiro community. Buy this book, he says. Become a more badass Spiro. Thanks, Peter. That was <laughs> champion effort. Fucking Epic. Uh, My tail is wagging. I'm that happy. I, I was cacking myself when I read it. I loved it. Yeah, it's a bloody Such, ripper. Yeah. All right, so thank you, Pete. And, uh, yeah, we hope you uh, teamed up with Tevis over there, mate, and got out spearfishing. Yeah. Um, while, on the, while we're saying giving a bit of love back, um, a quick thank you to, uh, I think it's Johannes Katakis. Liquor, on, man, liquor. 
No, I don't even know that he's South African. Ah. So, but no. thanks for that. That no. was good. Okay. <clears throat> Probably said something derogatory there. It's my Afrikaans. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's pretty beautiful, good. mate. <laughs> Come on, Turbo Put. <laughs> <laughs> Johannes Gitakis, mate. Thank you, uh, mate, for tagging us in your photos. And um, if you're on Insta, get on, check him out. He's got some great pics. Looks like he's traveling around. Uh, spearfishing the world as well and uh, our mate Vaughan Lowe over there in South Africa just landed a 30kg um, dogger salmon or mulloway it's his first he's ever shot which is not a bad way to start at 30kg cracker and uh, Ben Rennie mate uh, thanks for the kind words on Instagram mate your pics are looking absolutely mint keep up the good work awesome and I uh, had a new the latest subscriber to the floater James Fisher thanks for reaching out buddy uh, you guys can join the floater as well at noobspiro.com uh, sign up get, get yourself 10 tips to become a better Spiro plus a dive day checklist with a, with a highly photoshopped version of me on there you look are you wearing a corset under your <clears throat> wetsuit because like, you look a all lot I can more. say is the guy that did the photo he was an artist <laughs> And uh, look, there's a couple of vouchers on there for our major sponsor at spearfishing.com.au. You can actually get a free uh, pack when you sign on and spend 50 bucks and use our new code on there. So yeah, get come on again, what's this? I don't even know about this. No, no, no. Why did you run this by me? Oh, I'm an <laughs> integral part of this show. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so jump on noobspirit.com, sign up to the floater, enjoy James. He said to us, hey, lads, keep up the good work in 2017. Thanks, James. And talking about 2017, we've got some absolute cracker guests lined up this year. Oh. We've, uh, we've, we've, um, we've got several on the way that are just... Bloody fantastic. If you thought we looked like amateurs before, it's going to be even worse now. These guys are absolutely top-notch. But um, I just want to say, too, stick around at the end of the show because Adventure Man Dan lays out what he's looking for in a travel partner. He's about to do a full US tour, and he's looking for a buddy, a mate, just a travel companion to go spearfishing up and down the, uh, I don't know which coast is he doing. West Coast. West Coast, is he? So uh, And he wants to start like right up in the cold too, like starting proper the cold. stuff. Yeah, he's proper adventurous. So yeah. um, <laughs> he, he really puts the adventure in Adventure Man Dan. <laughs> wow, you should be in sales. That was fantastic. <laughs> so anyway, here he comes, Daniel J. Byrne, Adventure Man Dan. Enjoy the interview, guys. G'day guys, thanks for listening to the Noob Spiro podcast today. We're a little bit sport, we've got someone joining us from South Africa, although he's definitely not South African. He's uh, going to share all about his dental work experience over there in oh, South Africa. It's got, got a winning smile, this man. And, uh, but uh, Dan, Dan joins us for, with uh, extensive spearfishing travel experience. Uh, where are you at the moment, Dan, and, and g'day? Oh, g'day, hey, thank you guys very, very much for having me here. It's a, it's a bit of an honour. Um, no, I'm, I'm in uh, Cape Town, South Africa right now. I've uh, been in Cape Town for about a month and a half and uh, in South Africa for just about three months now. Nice. And you're just doing mystery shopping at different dental practices there. <laughs> yeah, you know, just you walk along the street here and uh, you never know who you'll bump into. You know, maybe it's a car, maybe it's then later the guy comes out after. But uh, no, it's, yeah. We're cool. <laughs> Dental work is cheap here, at least. It was, it was much cheaper than when I got it done in uh, in Australia, so it's, it's all been good so far. <laughs> uh, that's cool. So, look, give us give give us a little bit of background on sort of um, on yourself and where, where you came from and how you got started spearfishing. Yeah, well, um, I actually grew up in upstate New York. Um, so I am from the states, by the way. But yeah, I grew up in upstate New York. Um, my my father was was a very very active uh, swimmer and snorkeler, and he himself used to spearfish in uh, Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. 
but you know, never really got the chance to get into the ocean, but he'd take us to uh, all of our local rivers and lakes, and we were always snorkeling there, and I didn't know it at the time, but it was it was really, it was just free diving, but I was maybe 10 or 11 at, the, at most. Oh, wow. And uh, it kind of, yeah, it kind of just kind of progressed from there, and eventually when I was uh, 19, I moved out on my own to California, kind of chasing the California dream, and... Uh, chasing I the California uh, girls, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a lot to chase out there. No, it's good. Fish and well, well surf and turf. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a good time. <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah, no, I uh, I had a pretty pretty memorable first dive. Actually, it was real memorable. Um, it was a, a good buddy of mine named uh, Ryan Bowen, and uh, I was kind of helping him. Um, he was trying to get in shape for for these programs for the military, so I was helping him out with that. And okay, he was like, he's like, hey, you want to come want to come spearfishing? And at the time, I was doing surfing a lot, and I was like, man, that's really really what I've always wanted to do. You know, more adventure there and and yeah, so we, we went out spearfishing, and you know, I threw up a bit, and, <laughs> and it was it was it was good fun. And that that was out in uh, Monterey, California. Um, and Monterey sits more or less in uh, in the Northern California area, and uh, not a lot of pelagics to hunt. Really, no pelagics to hunt. Mm. Just a lot of reef fish. It's it's very cool water, but huge, huge, um, you know, California giant kelp coming up from twenty five, you know, seventy some odd feet. Yeah, and uh, it's just absolutely breathtaking. But uh. Yeah, the, the memorable part, though, was, you know, I was, I was in the absolutely terrible, you know, scuba diving suit, and we start coming back in, and uh, somewhere in the kelp, he sees something, and he and he dives down, and he pulls it back up, and and it was an identical spear gun to his, a, a JBL 36-inch. It was brand new. Ah, oh, sweet. It must have been used, you know, just once. It was a very, very strange setup. I've never seen it since. It had the knife attached to the gun, but um, he had this identical gun in his hand, so all of a sudden, he has two of the same gun. And he kind of looks at me and he goes, and he, he was deciding which one to give me. And he's like, uh, well, I'll give you the new gun. So, so I, I got a, I got a spear gun and I got a, and I got a knife, you know, my first time ever and couldn't, couldn't seem to find who's, who's ever gun it was. I don't think they really wanted it that badly. You know, they, they left, just left it there in the kelp for us real, real source. But, um, but yeah, that was, I was, that was kind of the introduction. And then I just got the gear and just kind of worked my way up and, and then started diving more and more, and but it was it was a very very steady increase from there. Spearfishing really took over, and it's got so many facets to it that it, it's it's just a very consuming you know passion. Oh, definitely, absolutely. It seems that every American Spearow when they get started has a JBL. It's like it's like the common theme. Everybody has. It's like a wooden gun, isn't it? Like a wooden JBL. Yeah, um, I think they they do pipe guns as well, but they make um the one at least I had was it's a just a solid mahogany plank. Um, it's, it's, it's dirt simple. Um, even, even the way the safety works, the safety just puts a little piece of plastic between, you know, the, the trigger and, and the rest of the, um, the rest of the, the handle. Yeah. So it, it's, you know, you know, when the safety's on, cause it's pretty obvious. And, uh, no, they're, they're very, I mean, I haven't used any of their larger guns, only their small, you know, their small reef gun there, but I absolutely love the thing. I still have it. Uh, I've only yeah. ever owned once, one spear for it. Um, I've taken a couple inches or however centimeters that is there off the end. And, and, uh, no, I mean, eventually one day I'll have to change the thing out, you know, and get a, get a different spear. I mean, I've, I was just, so it's, it's a great little gun. It really is. I got, I got a lot of good respect for that gun and, and it was at a good price, you know, it was a, it was a worthwhile price. <laughs> so look, you're over there in the giant kelp forest and diving some cold water, chasing reef species with your brand new JBL. What were some of the obstacles you faced sort of early on and, how did you overcome them? True. Um, learning the species, you know, in, in Northern California, all the species or most of the species that you really want to get tend to blend in. And, 
And uh, the, the main species, no doubt, is uh, the California lingcod. The best way I could describe it is uh, it's like a dragon without arms or legs or wings, you know. It's, <laughs> it's uh, just this big old body, and it moves almost like a snake, and it's just got this very big head, but a ton of teeth in there. Okay. Um, but it's, it, it's an incredible fish, so in, you never know if it, where it's going to be hanging in around the kelp forest. A lot of times it'll be in caves, so there's a lot of hole hunting involved. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but you know the the skin and and whatnot of it, and a bit of scales it it's all designed to blend into the environment. So in, in Northern California, you had to adapt your eyes to see everything that was going on, or there was always uh, just rock cod everywhere. So it was it was very very plentiful for that. Um, you know, but at the time I didn't really know just how much else was there. And you know, years later, I would discover you know um, was it uh, rock scallops that you know they they live up to their names or they look just like a rock, but are Honest to God, one of the one of the best tasting things in the ocean. Yeah, 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 yep, definitely. Yeah, okay. So learning to use your eyes and train them to spot the various species. So maybe like with your first, uh, was it a lingcod? Oh uh, yeah, it was a, lingcod was is more or less a trophy. It's a, that's like the okay. the best fish you can get there on the reef. There's there's several you know cabazons blend in extremely well as well. Um, Prickleback monkey face um, eels and uh, wolf eels are a couple other special ones not too many people can grab. All right, so maybe tell us about an early win, like a, a memorable fish and the, the sort of the story leading up to um, how, you, how you landed it. Oh, definitely. Um, I, I did a lot of shore diving, but when I got the chance to, I quickly found that uh, going off of a kayak was uh, just made a whole lot more sad. I really enjoyed it. Um, so one day I was out in uh, Carmel, California, you know, which is just north of uh, Monterey, very, very nice, very rich area. Um, I took the kayak out, and my, my dad was back on shore, which was kind of good because I had about eight hours out there, spewed a ton of good fish, um, having a close-up with a harbor seal and was able to pet it like a dog. And, <laughs> and this, this is years back. This was before, before I started filming anything, you know, so it still stuck with me. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, on, on the way back in, you know, I marked a few rocks. I said, you know, on the way back in, I'm going to check this rock, and I'm going to check this one. And I, I really didn't pack enough water, so I was pretty dehydrated. <laughs> but it was it was this one rock, and, and I, I committed. You know, I, I came up to it. I tied the kelp, or I tied the uh, kayak up to the kelp, and I committed to doing one circle around it. And it was really nothing on it, nothing at all. Um, a lot of sand kind of working in there, which isn't really a good environment. You know, sand in the caves. You want more of a rocky cave surrounded by uh, the kelp if you want a lingcod. Yep, yep. And okay. um, and ended up just about in the 360, just about all the way around, and I'm down in this hole and. And I'm shining my light, and I see this beautiful abalone shell. But then I tick my light just a couple degrees to the left, and there's this huge toothy smile looking back at me. I'm like, sure. And it was uh, it was about a three foot lingcod, wow. um, which, which it's, it was it's a good size for up there. It's a very good size. You know, it's not not like New Zealand where you can you know pick up pick up monster fish all the time or something. No, this, mm. in Northern California, a three foot ling is a, is a nice one. Wow. And uh, all, all I all I thought was, don't hit the gill plate because if you hit the gill plate with a 36 magnum, and I, mine was always dull because I was always, you know, shooting fish straight into rocks. Is <laughs> a lot of people always be like, yes. So, so the thing was, the thing was pretty much as sharp as a pistol bullet. You know, it was, it was real rounded. Yeah. Um, so punch. Shot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it might as well have just been flat for all I care. You know, at least it would have had a couple edges around it. But no, yeah. the the shot went off. Um, I, it was a real, real quirky shot. You know, my arm was. The tip of the gun was probably you know parallel with my head. I wasn't even outstretched for it. And this is this is very very deep into a cave by now. And uh, I mean this is very very deep. So I'm flattened against the bottom. The shot goes into the fish, and a big plume goes up. 
I go to grab my spear and I pull my spear and there's no weight on the spear, which is just every spear I know is just the worst feeling of seeing that beautiful fish and you you pull the trigger and then there's nothing there. It's like, no. And I could just barely make it out. And I just reached my hand in again and grabbed it from underneath its gill plate. And it just ended up just getting a good hand on it and just swam it straight up. And I'm still not sure what I hit. It was, wasn't a headshot. It must have been a spine shot, maybe, but it must have owned it. But the, the, the spear only went in maybe maybe three inches and then just came right back out. But I was able to swim up with the with the fish, and uh, it definitely pushed my limits for sure. There was, it was a longer dive than I meant it to be. And uh, my, my heart rate certainly went up. I certainly got a bit of buck fever on that one. Yeah. But, man, I, I hit, hit the surface. I'm just, you. When I... When when I got back to the shore was was really good. You know, my, my old man's there on the shore, and he spent years telling me about like, oh, back in my day, you know, Rhode <laughs> Island, this and that. And uh, you know, so so he's getting up there in age, and it was it was a really good moment for me to come back on the shore. And I, I had a ton of fish. I had actually a couple other uh, personal bests that day. Yeah, nice. Um, but it, but the lingcod just just really stood out. And um, kind of to add to the, the the grandeur of it all. The beach that I came back to was very, very populated. A lot of tourists, oh, a lot of you know, beachgoers. Alpha Day. I got mobbed. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, it, it, <laughs> something like best. 50 people. And, and, and I was pretty dehydrated, too, and so I was a little loopy, and it was it was pretty funny. But, um, but no, we, we got a few, like, cell phone pictures. They're, they're somewhere way back long. But that was that was so early, and that, that really was – I was a uh, – that was a good chapter for me. You know, that was it was a good day. It was a good dive. Um, mm-hmm. It taught me a lot about kayaking, about checking checking those spots. You know, pick the spots that look good. Go out of your way. Don't don't stop where it's easy. Go out where it's hard. And that's a theme that I've tried to live through um, as I do this trip, as I've been traveling this last year. And and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't stay in Northern California um, probably another year after that. So I moved down to San Diego, California, and began um, spearfishing the the Southern California species. Which are are somewhat similar. You still have the kelp, but a lot more pelagics, and it a lot of things kind of evolved from there. But I'll, I'll definitely look back at, at back at that uh, that fish, and um, even even eating that fish. I, I had a friend who owned a restaurant. I was able to bring it in, and he was able to cook it up for me. And it was those, those were the days. Those were the days, you know. Danny, if I can go back, mate, you said that uh, you, you had a torch there. Is that when you when you're hunting lingcod and you're in that um, Northern Californian area? Is is a for new guys starting out? Is a torch a bit of a necessity for hunting those fish? Northern California, absolutely. Um, I've a lot. Most of the time, you know, you're, you're scanning what's around you. Sometimes a lingcod might be hanging out in the um, in the sun, you know, on, on a nice, calm, and clear day. But those are actually pretty hard to come by in Northern California. I, I know of a lot of just a lot of shit days up there. Yeah. And I, I could even remember because um, I was living in Santa Cruz, which is known for its surfing, not for its spearfishing. Yeah. And um, I actually, the, it was the first link hunt I got was there. It was right off of Steamers Lane, a very, very popular surf spot. And um, yeah, I mean, you, you ducking your, you're ducking your head into all these holes. And um, without the torch, you really don't stand much of a chance at all at seeing what's in there. And I can remember spearing on a day where if I outstretched the JBL, which is not a long gun, I couldn't see the, I couldn't see the end of it. But I ended up coming back that day with uh, with a couple of cabazons. Just look for the structure, you know. Look for the structure. Then once you get down there, then look for the um, you know for the eyes or for the telltales. They'll bring you in for the fish. And uh, most of the northern California species, you know, they're they're not super flighty. They're not like a New Zealand snapper or anything like that. They're most of them. They like to stay in their hole, um, or they they might bug out. But you really gotta you really gotta push your luck. Mm. Usually, it's just about seeing them and um, and then just kind of moving it on from there. Yeah, cool. With um, cave hunting, because it is pretty common in some of these waters, like 
Torches are obviously a go-to. I've heard another trick. I don't know if you use this as well. Like some guys say when you're on the surface, you close one eye and, and swim all the way down without opening it. And then when you get to the cave, you've still got like night vision, like with yep. one with one eye. Does is that is that just horseshit or uh, is, is that uh, something you've used? You could definitely do that. Um, I, I know that more from more more from other things. More from um, what was it? Would be uh, airsoft, honestly. Yeah, Dan, Dan, he's he's hitting me in the sh- he's hitting me in the shoulder like he's the man. Like he's just <laughs> discovered something amazing. <laughs> like he's so pumped about this question. Anyway, I just yeah. I just wanted to sneak a little ninja sure. trick in there. It is a good question, but but it does take a while, a whole while to to preserve it in one eye, and not to mention if you just pop your head up, I mean, the the sun's light is gonna kind of a bit of it's gonna pass through your eyelid just yeah, a little bit even, and definitely. even that's gonna kind of take back some of your night vision. No, just get a bright light, you know, just get the brightest light that you can. Um, yeah. Which I, I I don't remember the mix of the models, but I actually used to have one that was a tactical light, but it was it was too bright. It would actually scare fish. Um, but it still felt pretty good to go down there and doing night dives, especially. I did night dives um, off of Catalina in Southern California, usually going for lobster. Um, you feel pretty safe, you know. You feel like you've got like the uh, like a lightsaber or something, you know. Everything else is kind of bumping around in the night, and then you're then you're just like, oh, I am man. Here's my light, and you just cast it wherever you want to, and it's 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 a lot of fun that way. Um, Dan, one of the one of the we we did we asked a recent question about what guys want to hear more about. One of them was. Uh, more location specific information so i wanted to ask you about northern um, california what are some of the premium weather conditions like for us like if we have a northerly we get dirty water northerly wind we sort of get dirty water in the bay what are some of the little um, intricacies with the weather for northern california that you would look for well uh, first off i'd say to be honest i'm not a good person to ask for this i've um i've got a terrible um reputation i guess of just being like well i have a day off (laughs) <laughs> there's probably fish in the ocean. Just dive and go get out there. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I've, I've dove on some really bad days and just, just stuck with it. You know, I'm not yeah. really sure why. But no, um, no, really for Northern California, uh, which I mean, it's just one one of the places I've dove that I, you know, I started out there. So I always kind of think back to that wherever I go further. Um, but Northern California, you just you really want less, less swell. And it can really get hammered pretty, pretty hard by uh, the swell. And the swell is just going to stir things up. Um, so you're just looking for just the flattest day you possibly can. Um, I have noticed that. I mean, definitely when I was in um, Australia, and especially now in South Africa on the on the East Coast and uh, on the West Coast on Cape Town, guys will say like, oh, it's a northwesterly or a southeaster or whatever. And, and they say that, that that's going to clear things up. And that it's not something I'm used to dealing with. Um, I mean, for, for me, it's, it's just a bit different. And the other thing about Northern California and uh, the geography and really the geology up there plays a huge role into the structure in the um in the ocean bottom then you get a lot of these bays up there that i mean uh, there was one spot you can't even call it a bay it was it was a crater next to the ocean that the waves would fill into it and the ocean was so bad i i realized if i went in i couldn't get back out because the the swell was so large and this was up in uh what's called big sur big sur sits just below um monterey california and just above um, I mean, San Luis Obispo, but really it's a section of California um, that there's just no development. And it's a place I've gone back to many times, but it's, it's, it's a bit treacherous and it's hard just to get in. But, but this one little crater I hopped in, it's just, it's just full of life. I pulled out five rock scallops out of there and, uh, and, and, and I think I pulled an octopus too. It was, we're, we're talking like a kiddie pool, you know, it was, it was absolutely ridiculous. And it kind of just goes in line with um, just 
never know what you're going to see in the ocean. It's just every every nook and cranny, especially in a place like Northern California, where there's just so much sea life, so much ocean-rich environment there. Everything's worth a second look. Everything's worth a little bit more time, you know? Trek, my diving of late has improved out of sight. And do you know why? No. Because I, pick, I picked myself up a copy of 99 Tips to Get Better at Spearfishing. Wow. Is that why your hunting techniques have improved as well? Not just my hunting techniques, my freediving, my breath hold, and my awareness. Wow. You really are a Spiro 2.0. Yes, that's right. I really am a Spiro 2.0, as per Chapter 7, I believe. Spiro 2.0. <laughs> and it's all thanks to... 99 tips to get better at spearfishing. Now, where did I find it, you ask? On (laughs) Amazon.com. That's right. So get on Amazon.com and check it out. But in all seriousness, it's a great book compiled from over 40 contributors. Absolutely fantastic. And you will improve your diving, guaranteed, if you read that book. There's tips there from legends like Rob Allen and Chris Coates out of South Africa to Simon Tripp and uh, some other Aussie guys. Lots of Aussie guys. Lots of Aussie guys. I think there might even be some New Zealanders in there. Dwayne Herbert. Dwayne Herbert. Darren Shields. We've got Cameron Kirkconnell. A couple from myself there. I put myself in that same league. Yeah, so look, a Turbo's ones, we glazed over them. <laughs> and uh, look, I took. I often took 10 of Turbo's tips and punched them into one, so you get good value for money. Find it cheap on Amazon.com, 99 tips to get better at spearfishing. All right, let's move, let's move on. Hunting technique. What, what's, um, what's your favourite hunting technique, Dan, and how do you apply it effectively? It's probably a big question when you sort of you've travelled as much as you have, but I mean, pick yeah. whatever location you want, and maybe talk about a specific species and, and how you've sort of uh, used it. Um, I think I would definitely have to talk about um, yellowtail amberjack, um, or in some places known as yellowtail kingfish, kingy yep. um, mm-hmm. tail, <laughs> they call it here. No, um, yeah, <laughs> you, you can spear yellow. You can spear, spear yellowtail in um, in Southern California. You know, all the way down through into Baja. Um, and the Sea of Cortez, which I've speared them in all those locations. And uh, when I started this this world tour that I'm on, and I, I've been on this for about a year now, um, but when I started it, the first place I chose to go to was New Zealand for a lot of reasons, but one of which was I had terrible luck with yellowtail. I was I was doing very, very poorly with it in the States. I, I would take shots that I shouldn't have and not take shots that I should have. And, and yellowtail really are not a difficult fish, but at the time, it was it was a huge amount of buck fever, and I, I was very very excited and very like skittish too. And um, when when I got to New Zealand, I just got you know eventually I started getting so many opportunities on yellowtail that I had to start saying okay, nothing under fifteen kilos, thirty three pounds, you know, <laughs> yeah. like that's and and telling that to people here, you know, it's really 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 funny too, looking at their faces like what, what the hell is wrong with you? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, you know. Shooting and, and and even when I got to got to Western Australia and I was diving with Barry Paxman, it was um, nothing under twenty kilos with him, and so it's it's cool. But but anyway, um, as far as, as far as the fish and hunting tactics, um, really, I mean, I, I got to New Zealand in um, in, was it uh, late February of uh, two thousand sixteen, and uh, didn't know anyone, but you know, I started making contacts, got my videos, my pictures out there, and led me some other people, and I started learning all the species. But I was there mainly to spear yellowtail, and that is their main game fish. Yeah. And um, nowhere in the world gets yellowtail as big as um, as New Zealand. Nowhere in the world, um, despite the fact that you, you can shoot them literally around the world, and, and I have now. Yeah. Um, with Australia and uh, South Africa, but no, um, with yellowtail, I, I would say one of the biggest things really is just being in the right place. Not even the timing, 
Um, not even, you know, what you're wearing. It's just, it really is a matter of, um, and it's something I really believe in is just go that extra distance that much further away than anyone else is going. And that's, that's what I did. Uh, in New Zealand, I ended up getting a uh, backpacker camper van and, uh, and Viking kayak sponsored me after, oh, um, after a few stories. Wicked. Well, that's cool. I, I was going to ask you a bit about your kayak experience in New Zealand. I saw a lot of photos and videos, so cool. Oh, uh, it was, it, it really was the dream. Um, I mean, I, I like boat diving, don't get me wrong. Um, but, but there's a lot of prep, and um, I, although it's not popular, I really do enjoy diving solo sometimes, you know? Yep. And in a place that I feel comfortable, um, one of my best dives that was in New Zealand, and I'll, I'll cover that later because it's a story in and of itself, but it was on a kayak, and there's such serenity to it. Um, I mean, you're <laughs> to the point, you know, I feel silent out there. I feel more connected with the ocean. Um, and you could even say like, oh, well, I'm, I'm even not even polluting the ocean, you know, no gas or something if you really want to go crazy. But yeah, yeah. You know, it's just, it, it really is a great way to get out there. Um, I enjoy the extra exercise, you know, for my upper body. Um, and a lot of times I can launch places, boats can't, I can get to places. But, but as far as the hunting technique for yellowtail, it really was just, um, going out so much further than everyone else was picking a spot that just doesn't see other people. So it's already a good area, and uh, launching the kayak, getting out to a spot that has, uh, you know, uh, the high current, uh, there's a lot, a lot of current coming past. Usually a pinnacle um, has some deep water nearby it, and I'm um, spending time kind of in that area and, and being very, very patient about it. Uh, but then once the yellowtail do, do come in, uh, as most people know, they're they're very curious. Their curiosity is definitely a bit of their downfall. Um, I have found bringing a shiner will work pretty well. Um, a few times, actually, I probably wouldn't have gotten some if it hadn't been for that. Um, and, and those are about quite a bit. Um, but, but yeah, yeah. So, so getting out there, get the shiner in the water. When the, when the yellowtail do come in, you know, try to take a dive as quickly as I can, not looking at them. You know, yellowtail and a lot of other fish will look for your eyes and see where your eyes are, uh, are focused. And, uh, that'll tell them how interested you are and how interested they want to be. So usually taking a dive, um, in a direction that's kind of, um, cut them off to be ahead of them mm -hmm. and uh, once you get to that i've definitely found aiming for the back of the pack if you can seems to hold the fish uh, deeper down and uh and the back of the pack seems to have some of the deeper ones okay um the, one of the one of the best examples of this um and, and if the viewers or if you guys get a chance take a look at uh my youtube channel um new zealand spearfishing new zealand episode two i i go into uh, these three days uh, at the Coromandel peninsula um, where I, I got a, uh, got a kayak from one of the locals and, uh, got to go out in that. And the first day, you know, I ended up spearing a yellowtail and a, and a bronze wheeler shark actually got a hold of it. <laughs> and I, I got quite a bit of footage of them and I was able to actually jump up into the kayak, grab my float line and just yank real quick and actually out of the mouth of the bronze wheeler, oh. threw it up into the boat and I uh, got footage of the bronze wheeler doing a 180, kind of trying to come back after me, but it was just just had that little bit of uh, freeboard away from it. So it was, it was very satisfying. And, and even actually over dinner, I looked at my footage again. And, um, there was a moment that the bronze brother came back, you know, like 10 minutes later and came, I mean, inches underneath my kayak. So it was, it was a really cool moment. <laughs> um, uh, a second day there, I went out on a boat and I uh, scored a 15 kilo uh, kingfish. They dropped me off at another spot. It really was just a, it's just a perfect spot in, in so many ways. Um, the Coromandel Peninsula uh, sits between Great Barrier Island and, and the mainland, so there's a huge amount of current that gets pushed through there, and uh, the, the area is known for big kingfish, and yeah, sure enough, uh, we jump in, and I, I had to load my gun while there was an active vortex of kingfish underneath me. Oh, wow. Probably, I mean, as far down as I could see, so, so over 100, 
But but the thing is, is that the one that I speared was uh, 18 and a half kilos. But at the time was was just barely my biggest fish, beating my white sea bass um, from San Diego. Yeah. You know, I went back with with two huge fish, and I ended up feeding a ton of people, which which ended up becoming a huge. It kind of um, was where I developed uh, these these dinners that I put on. Yeah. Um, which, which even um, today and, and yesterday, I've been doing huge sushi and sashimi dinners of uh, yellowtail, which is great. Oh, wicked. Um, but yeah, then, then that third day was was probably my most memorable dive. Um, and, and it said a lot about, about hunting yellowtail for me. I went out in the kayak again solo, um, went to this, this pinnacle and figured out which way the current direction was coming from. You know, you want to be up current. You want to be in, in where, the, uh, where the current starts from before it hits something. Yep. It's really the best spot. And I was out there probably for two Two hours, didn't see a thing. It was, it was very, very boring. Um, even took a nap up in the kayak, and then, uh, <laughs> then eventually, uh, I took a dive into this vortex. And that's the I wanted that footage, the footage of diving into one, because there's just nothing like it. You know, being surrounded by that much tasty fish <laughs> uh, after you know, you can see your car. You know, it's not like going after tuna. You know, where you're, you're ways out from shore. No, I mean this is this is close to home. It was such a cool feeling and. I dove down to it, but as I got down towards the bottom of it, and, and everything's in slow motion, you know, your mind's in slow motion. And uh, as I got down to the bottom of this this vortex, there was just this monster, and I said, like, oh, that thing's got to be, got to be closer to 22, 23, maybe even 25 kilos. And and um, I had to wait for this kind of in between shot. There was just so many other yellowtail right on it, and th- those other ones would have been 20 kilos, no problem or more. Wow. But I had to wait for this shot, and uh, ended up getting it more or less uh, between the pectoral and the dorsal fin uh, at a downward angle, which was a really good shot. And I had a, I was using um, Rife Euro 120 in closed track. So I had, had a good amount of power through it. And yeah. I had a slip tip on it, which was also good. And uh, so I punched the shot and uh, the kingy just dove hard and I grabbed the line to go up. But it just pulled me down. <laughs> I pulled into a wall. I kind of had to start again. And I was like, what the heck? That was weird. you know. And I'm heading up towards the surface. So I wasn't really too worried at first. Because uh, you know my float line attached to the kayak, and it was a, it was a foolproof way in a sense that uh, if I needed to, you know, if a marlin came by, really I could have I could have shot that. Yeah. But uh, as I got up closer to the surface, you know, I kept trying to put pressure on it because I didn't want him to reef me. And, uh, and I started seeing you know the rest of the the vortex, and and I was getting a bit more nervous. I got up in the kayak, and um, and yeah, I had to actually I had to hop up in the kayak to back paddle to keep him away from the, the nearby reef. Oh wow. Uh, my my float line plus the uh, Plus the shooting line would have been probably around 28, 29 meters, and that's that's not a depth. I feel like diving with my heart rate up, you know, from a fight and yeah, the current, definitely. and with such a big fish and sharks, it was <laughs> a lot of things were happening. A lot of things were going through my mind. I was solo, so I had to make some decisions. Um, I would have liked to have landed the fish inside the water, but it wasn't an option. Um, and I, I I hope that most spiros are familiar with uh, with Ernest Hemingway's The Old Man in the Sea. Where the guy, you know, he's kind of doing like a hand line on a uh, on a marlin. Yeah. Uh, I did something similar to that, but, uh, but sitting up in the kayak, you know, secured, <laughs> secured, um, secured in the center and um, and grabbed line and just started just heaving as much as I could. And and the video footage was good. I was able to get good video for for the whole fight, oh, fight cool. sequence, which was just exhausting. It took me took me about ten or fifteen minutes of um, just just straining lineup, and then he would just rip it out of my hands. And it was. Wow. It, was, it was really, it was an incredible thing, and yeah, and so it actually drew a couple other um, fishermen nearby. You know, I, I told them to come. You know, like, come, come try to draw lines here. I knew they were having. You know, this was the third day they were watching me get kingfish. So I knew they weren't. You know, they wanted to get in on the action. <laughs> but uh, no, they, they ended up just kind of, kind of staying nearby and watching me. You know, in, in my fight, and yeah, I ended up getting the getting the fish on board, and um, 
I thought was like, man, this thing's got to be 50 pounds at least, you know, and, uh, and it was, it was, it was just such a good feeling when I finally got it up on the boat. I was so exhausted. Um, <laughs> even my, my hand into its gills, um, you know, into the gills, so I could get a hold of it. I just abs- almost broke my hand. It was so painful. It was such a monster. And, uh, you know, so I, I paddled it back and I uh, was able to weigh it and it ended up weighing in at uh, 35 kilos, 77 pounds, wow. quite, a, quite a bit more than I thought it would. Wow. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was really, really great. And, um, no, and then I just I just did a, a whole bunch of sashimi for everybody that was there nearby, a bunch of the campers, a bunch of the locals and the rangers, and uh, and it was a really you know it was great you know telling the people about the day you know telling about spearfishing what we see down there is New Zealand has a lot of spearfishers and and they have have a great I, I would argue New Zealand has one of the best spearfishing communities mm-hmm. where everybody talks everybody kind of helps each other out yeah, a little bit and, and, I, and I had a great time I was I was able to get on with so many great divers there I mean. Dwayne Herbert, uh, Dave Mullins, Darren Shields, you know, just yep. to name a few, and, and they were all incredibly hospitable to me. You know, hosting me and, and uh, you know, let me stay with them and teaching me a whole yeah, lot. Cool. And it was it, New Zealand really was just an absolute amazing trip. Um, I would highly, I would, I would highly recommend anyone to go there, but, but just, just don't let too many people go there. You know, maybe maybe we'll edit that part <laughs> out. I don't want too many people pulling up New Zealand. <laughs> nah, yeah, that they're a good bunch of guys. Is a really good NZ Spiro forum Facebook page. Um, very active on there. I'm, yes. actually, I'm a Kiwi myself, Daniel. Turbo's definitely a dirty oh. Australian. But uh, yeah, no. Yeah. So we've, <laughs> we've chatted to quite a few of the guys you mentioned. We've had um, Dwayne Herbert on the show and Darren Shields before. He was actually one of our very first guests. And uh, no, I, I really like some of those guys. Yeah, yeah. Dave competed over in Greece, I believe, uh, end of last year, and they're, they're highly competitive, very, very um, competent right. divers. So we all love New Zealand, anyway. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, well no, real quick, um, actually, to, to add to that, because I, I actually ended up doing, um, I, I got to go down, I got to film, um, Dwayne, uh, commercial Kina and power diving. Oh, cool. In um, in Stewart Island. Yeah. So that that was amazing, and uh, with with Darren, I was out with Darren the day he was teaching his youngest son. Uh, Griffin um, had a hunt snapper, which is, wow. is the prize fish really in, in New Zealand. Yeah, they, they don't care if you get a 30 kilo uh, kangi. Nah. If you get a 10 pound or a, not well, a 20 pound snapper, yeah. they care. And um, with, uh, with with Dave, actually, I ended up writing for, for and I still do, I write for the New Zealand Bayfisher magazine. Okay. Um, I ended up writing and following Dean um, and uh, Julian Hansford and, uh, and Dave Mullins as they went to, uh, went to Greece and uh, Absolutely phenomenal divers. Uh, Dave ended up getting uh, the largest fish of the competition, a yeah. 17.3 kilo dusky grouper, which yeah. he shot at uh, 58 meters, 5.8. Wow. <laughs> yeah, wow. Just, a, just a typical Kiwi bloke, really. Just, just a, what, what's just... wrong with you? <laughs> are you the. I spent too long in Australia, oh, too, mate. Oh, mate. Uh, no, nah, those, those guys are friggin' legitimate athletes. They, uh, they, they, they're very good at what they do. No, they, they really are, and, and I'd say one last credit to the Kiwis is... Um, yeah, yeah, keep going, bro. I'm loving killing me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sense of humility. I mean, um, when I met Dave Mullins, I had no clue who he was. I thought he was just, just another Kiwi. Yeah. And uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't for days until I beat it out of him that he's like, oh, yeah, I guess I have a few national records. Like, oh, yeah, I guess I'm on the, the national team. Oh, I guess I did spear a world record stripe marlin. You know, like, <laughs> oh, I guess I'm going to go to the, the stamp... I was like, "Fuck, dude! Like, give me, <laughs> give me some straight answers here, you know?" Like, so it's, yeah. no, it, it really was, really was a great time. Ah, um, cool, and then uh, I'm not sure if you guys want to move to a different segment, but I, I could talk all day next about Australia. That's where I went. And 
Oh, we will. There was no shortage of adventures in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Far away, man. Tell us about some of the crappy Aussie guys. You <laughs> nah, come on. Let's <laughs> stick to the you show. You didn't go spearing with Turbo, so you probably had a good experience in Australia. Oh, I've got a lot of exploits. I don't like to talk about them. Anyway, whatevs. <laughs> <laughs> no, Australia was amazing. Um, the first thing I was really impressed about with Australia, um, which <laughs> was just a species, the species list that you guys have kind of oh, your disposals yeah. in uh, New South Wales as you kind of get further up there and and then Queensland, um, I've actually saved one of the um, one of the stickers you get when you buy your license there. Uh, I plan on taking that back to the states and kind of some of the guys uh, back in California, how uh, how you guys you know measure your fish and whatnot. It's just it's a very simple thing that will keep even even you know, the newest Spiro in uh, in California. You buy a um, you buy a license. It doesn't come with anything. You just get the license. You have to go find the the booklet separate. But yeah, I really liked you know the uh, the, the measurement stick and it or the, the measurement sticker that you could just put on anything. Yes. It shows you the fish, shows you how many of them they can take. But, but it was it was really exciting. You know, it, it, New Zealand was great. I speared everything except for a, uh, except for a boarfish. I was the only one I didn't get, or or yeah, against cool. a hapaka as well. But let's cut cool. that. But uh, but no, I mean, I, I get to New Zealand or I get to Australia, and I look at the list, and I'm like, oh man, yeah. it was just <laughs> so excited, so so froth to to get out there with everybody. But I know it was good. I flew to Sydney. Um, Went down to I went south first um, down in uh, down a bit further about four hours south to, to Batman's okay. Bay. Oh, did, did a little bit of diving there. wasn't wasn't too great uh, to be honest for the diving in the winter time. Yeah. But a um but a commercial a commercial um a commercial urchin diver uh, offered to take me out with him to uh, Montague Island and I got some phenomenal footage out there of the uh, of the seals and uh, just like just the sea life kind of it was really really cool. I, uh, I actually didn't spear a fish at all, really, for the first. There's nothing, nothing I saw that I, I really wanted to take. Um, so I didn't spear a fish at all for my first couple weeks in Australia. Uh, I took a few crays and, and, you know, ate those up. I made a good meal, but um, no, I, I quickly worked my way up to uh, to Kingscliff yeah. um, with, with a buddy up there and and did three shore dives there three days in a row and it was was real real good. Shot a shot a mulloway on my first day out. Oh, um, okay. Got some pretty crazy. Yeah, really, really cool fish. Very similar to a white sea bass in um in its in its behavior and its uh its its physical structure. Yep. Even was able to pull the olets out of it. Cool. Which, nice. which I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know where they went though, but you know they're out there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> they probably got stolen in yeah. South Africa. <laughs> um, I think my buddy still has them. <laughs> no, and uh, you know, the second day went out and uh, went crazy on the on the craze out there. You know, went for tropical craze, and you, you guys have many different types. And, uh, and I didn't realize that some are actually herbivores. So there was a lot of learning going on there, which which I, I love that about going to a new area, learning all these brand new species and how they operate and what tastes good and what doesn't and, and all, all these different things. It was it was amazing. Um, had I saw I saw the, the largest crayfish I've ever seen, largest lobster I've ever seen. It had to have been been at least about six or seven kilos. Okay. Um, but it wow. was in. Um, it, yeah, but. This is one of those things where, where that voice in the back of my head wasn't wasn't a little voice. It was a loud voice that said, "No, stupid, don't go for that." <laughs> it was uh, it was it was and, I, and I'm not joking. It was uh, it was ten meters down to the mouth of the cave, and then it was a couple meters into it, and then the cave ran um, kind of to your right. Then so there was a little bit of light that would pierce through. It was a very strange cave, but it would go for another ten meters, and it would just get skinnier and skinnier and skinnier. It was it was a very scary cave. But it had a lot of crayfish in it, so it <laughs> couldn't really be ignored. But man, you know, sitting there way at the back, and I had my dive light, my my dive torch, and sitting there way at the back was was a couple big ones, but just this real, 
big, big. I, I think it must have been a tropical cray. A real big thing. I mean, it was, it was probably a good uh, good two meters out of my reach. Yeah, wow. And, and, I, and I mean a, a good two meters to the end of its antenna. So so that was a good day. And then and then the third day out, I uh, I went out diving with, with my buddy again. And um, we went out. Didn't really see too much. I kind of branched off on my own. My buddy was uh, dealing with this other guy who was kind of new to spearfishing. And just kind of had to have been 30 meters away from me. I poked my head up. I see this huge dorsal fin. I immediately knew that I was a humpback whale, and I just finned it as hard as I could. Um, swiveled my camera. Um, and I, I film off of my gun, my gun primarily, but it's on a swivel, so I can you know, essentially point the gun the exact opposite direction of, uh, of the camera, which uh, <laughs> getting any footage of whales with your spear in a shot wouldn't be a good move, you know? <laughs> and uh, I, I, I took a dive, and it was uh, it was two humpbacks, and I got very, very close. You know, they, they looked at me, and I looked at them, and it's it was incredibly magical, you know. It really was just an incredible experience, and uh, and the trip kind of progressed from there. You know, I ended up um, I ended up making contacts and from one person to another, and his mom would tell someone's aunt, would tell someone's grandparents, and and that really <laughs> became a, a big part of my trip is uh, learning how to network as, yeah. as quickly and as, as much as possible. This that's really that's, that's how I've been able to do this, and I'll go over that more later. But I ended up. Um, Ended up diving into uh, the sunny coast, sunshine coast, and then in uh, Noosa Head, I got to get out with the uh, with the horny Spiro boys, and right. they were they were a hell of a lot of fun. Those guys, they were, they were a ton of fun. Uh, Billy Keenel in particular, shout out to him. Had, had a couple days out, and he. This was after you know several months of spearfishing, and um, it usually being me was, for whatever reason, was the one getting the fish. I went <laughs> out with this guy, and uh, we we you know we got to our spot, and. Um, we, I felt bad. There was a, there was a guy fishing, you know, not not a hundred meters away or so, maybe even closer, you know, so he could see us. And we jump in the water, and <laughs> almost immediately, you know, we, we both dive down. You know, the school of kingies comes in. Billy's a bit closer though, and he pops a shot, comes up with a easily a fifteen kilo kingie. Yeah. And then, um, then a few minutes later, you know, you know, so we just throw it out on the boat. A few minutes later, he, he goes back down again and, and ends up shooting. What do you? I think I think next came a, came a um. A greasy cod or an estuary cod? I, yeah. what, I don't want to get the name wrong. I know there's one you're not supposed to shoot. This was the one you were, and yeah, it, was, yeah. it was a big sucker, big sucker. And uh, and, and he, uh, he put his shot in and came up with that, and threw that up into the boat, and and then uh, then uh, you know I, I and I think I shot like I shot a mangrove jacket. He said it was good size, but you know it was it couldn't have been more than five kilos, and you know it just didn't feel good looking at his fish, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, but but then but then he just he just went and got no and he ended up shooting uh, more than I think more than a ten kilo no it was much more than that maybe maybe a twelve or thirteen kilo mulloway okay and um, wow yeah and then threw that on the boat and then he goes right well I think we should head in now and, <laughs> and I'm like yeah yeah let's call that a day that was pretty good you know and, and you know the fisherman guy is still there just the same you know still doing nothing and we drove back and <laughs> it was a ton of fun and and. Uh, you know, I ended up going from there to uh, to Bundaberg, drove with my buddy Matt, and um, got out to went meant to go out to the Bunker Islands, but went out to some closer spots and shot my first Spanish mackerel, oh, and awesome. um, and then saw my first bull shark, and then shot another Spanish mackerel, and yeah. one of the other uh, one of the other younger spiros. Um, this I guess is a, is a good example of uh, when you're spearfishing pelagics, teamwork really becomes essential. Not so much a reef species; they can be a solo game, but. With, uh, with pelagics, it's very easy to have a tear out or have a shark come around, yeah, or you may spear a fish and that may attract the other ones. Um, and in this case, you know, I, I'd popped a shot and and the guy went down to shoot one as well, but he didn't quite like the the look of the shot that was on mine. 
and uh, he put another spear into it just to be safe. And I, I pulled the fish up, and it, it was fine the whole way up. And I had my hand on it, and it made a quick move, and my spear popped out just yeah, at the nice. last second. So I would have lost that fish for sure. And, and you know, so it was real good. Um, awesome. And then from there, I went to um, went up to Gladstone and uh, met up with uh, uh, Dave Jensen and John Penningley. Okay. And I stayed with them for about a week. And uh, John Penningley is a stellar diver. He he. He holds world record on Wahoo and Dogtooth, yeah. two of the most prized fish, really. What a what a rush. But he, he shot them one day after the other two. And really, really cool, really humble guy. Um, and, uh, and he went out of his way you know, to show me quite a few things and, uh, and really, really helped me out there on the reef. It was uh, These were kind of the first days of uh, me diving coral. And uh, this is you know, the, at the southern end of the Great Barrier Reef at this point, if I understand it correctly. And yep. it was a ton of fun out there. Um, the, the first day we went out, I, I call it my most epic day of diving. Because uh, on the way out there, there were there were humpback whales, so so they stopped and I and I hopped in just to see if they'd come by the boat, and uh, and who did they? It was uh, <laughs> they they came right up to me. And I meant to I went to make a dive on it, and um, I, I'm used to dealing with sharks, you know, not really problem with sharks at all. I've seen several great whites. I actually saw one this past weekend. Wow. Um, you know, I've seen bullish shark and uh, bronzies come around, and, but I've never quite you know mentally prepared. Uh, for whales, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's a weird one. I never planned on getting that close. You know, I was kind of the dog that chased the car and then he got the car and he's like, oh, shoot. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so, so they, they came towards me and, and they, they made this, this huge, huge turn. Yep. And it was, it was a, a it was, it must've been a calf on top of a mother. And then another, oof, another 20 meters down must've been a male. Yep. It was a big, big one. But even the, the, the mother was huge too, but they went to come straight at me and, and I, I had to make the decision if I wanted to go over their back, which I could have ended up, you know, like, I mean, actually on the whale's back yeah, yeah. or pull off to the left. And, and I pulled off to the left. And uh, as I did that, uh, I think I'm, I think it was the right move. The, uh, the mom kind of swung her right pectoral fin through the water, like, like a right hook, like a very slow motion, but very, very strong right hook. And it, I mean, it came within inches of me and I, it was it was it was incredible though. I don't know if it was supposed to be a warning or if it was supposed to be a high five, and I just messed I just missed the moment maybe. I don't know, but it was it was very well worth it. And and after that, you know, we speared uh, I speared my first coral trout, and I got good footage of that. I was very very grateful for that, and um, got some really cool footage of some sea snakes, and uh, that was awesome. And and then you know, speared some Spanish mackerel and had some some bull sharks come in, which which John John's been attacked for. He's um, a, a bull shark got a hold of one of his uh, I think it was his left arm. Oh, and I uh, did quite a bit of damage there. Yeah, yeah. So he's so he has a, a you know a, a he has wisdom that I don't quite have yet, you know. And hopefully, <laughs> well, you know. Anyway, um, so I, I speared the this first Spanish mackerel, and I, and I yelled him. I was like, hey, hey, take the next one, you know, because they were right there. And he goes, no, no. And he and he, he knew it. And he was right. You know, a second later, a bull shark came in. So so we pulled him back, and I actually ended up getting my um my my weddy, uh flasher clipped either by a Spanish mackerel or by a bull shark after that. Oh wow. So I lost that, but. Yeah, yeah, that that happens. It wasn't cable. It was it was a monofilament one. Yeah. Uh, my my next flasher and the one I still had is is a cable one, yep. stainless steel. So if they do decide to do that, at least I'll have a little more a little more heads up. But mm, from from there we went and we dove and I ended up having this amazing dive on had to have been a couple hundred golden trevally, um, stacked so tight that yeah. when I made the dive, you know, at the beginning of the dive I was saying like, oh, I I better get one of these. But when I got to the face, I said, I better double shot and uh, that's what I aimed for and that's what I got and and they they took me under so quickly I had a hard time uh, equalizing yeah. only in only in about 20 meters or 15 20 meters of water or so though 
wasn't too deep. Um, I think we ended it somewhere after that. I think I got some tusk fish as well and some crayfish as well earlier in the day. So there was so much food to be had and so many things happening. It was just, it, it was just absolutely amazing. I was, I was absolutely just over the moon about it. And uh, yeah, and then after that, I headed up to Cairns and did some spearing up there. You know, shot some cool stuff. Uh, had a close call with a with a bull or two, and it was it was a good time. Um, awesome. And then, then I guess I guess the, the the end then of my uh, of my Australia was uh, I went over to Western Australia, Ooh. and uh, really had the the privilege and the honor of diving with uh, Barry Paxman. I think I think every Spiro pretty much knows who he is. Doesn't need much of an introduction. Um, I was only able to get up two dives with him. But uh, both dives were incredibly productive. Um, I, I ended up um, shooting a 30 kilo, or uh, I estimated a 30 kilo um, Thompson fish, and got got great footage of it. But it, it just dragged me into into this cave and then tore the line. Oh, I ended up getting my spear back somehow. I, yeah, I went back down. It was just a spear in the hole, and, and that was that. And I finished the day out with a um, with a 20 kilo Samson fish, and, and um, Scott was there, and he he got to you know did a little footage for it, which was which was just great, and. And then uh, the second time I got to go out with him, um, I, I reckon it was probably the best single single take, single footage I've ever gotten in pristine blue water. Um, about 20, 20 kilo plus Samson fish came in. I shot one the day before, so there was no need for me to take another. And uh, so I, I dove to get the footage taken, and, and then I saw that a second half of the school was coming in. Uh, again, another 20, 20 kilo plus, but they were yellow, yellow tape. Like, oh, this, this is pretty cool. And then this extremely long yellowtail I saw, and I was a big one too, and it was just too close. And so I, so I quickly ran my ran my hand up the gun and uh, shot it, probably two or three, maybe two and a half meters. And I was a very close shot, went straight through the gill plates, and uh, didn't give it any line, no float line, um, just on the real gun. Just uh, that's what Barry was telling me to do. You know, Barry Barry is very old school, yep. and I, I have a lot of respect for that man. And he's he's got. I would say I would argue he's got the the coolest spear spear fishing boat that I've been out on you know since I've been diving around the world here, okay. and uh, it's got a little 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 window in the bottom so you can see the you can see where you're going and what's underneath you and it's very cool but <laughs> really? but uh yes yeah, it's a really really cool thing no we, we shot some wa wa um two fish you know which are which are endemic to uh, Western Australia and, and that that was fantastic yeah and and a few others I think we got some um maybe it was tusk fish or something like tusk mm, I know the ones. Uh... What are they? Bullchin groper. Bullchin groper. Yeah, is that the one you got? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They get they get tusk um, fish over there as well. They call them bluebone though. The blueies. Yeah. yeah. So this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay. It was amazing. You know, and I ended up uh, going up to Exmouth after that, and wasn't able to get on too much too much good spearfishing up there. But I got a lot of good footage. Um, I even actually got a got about a half hour of footage with a um, with an olive sea snake. And uh, now remember, folks, all sea snakes are venomous. I looked it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, it was. Uh, I, I'm out of all the all the animals in the ocean. The one that I'm most fascinated with still is sea snakes. Yeah. Fortunately, you know, it's, it's only in certain places I can go get the footage and check them out. But but this one sea snake, you know, I, I went right up to him and um, and I've seen other guys handle them before, and they handle them very calmly, and the snake responds calmly. But if you freak out, you know, the snake kind of will freak out and come at you a little more. Um, but but no, I, I brought the camera right up to this snake, and it. Uh, seemed pretty pretty interested in me so it kind of just lazily started following me you know so i kept ahead of it but it did that for for 15 minutes it just kept following me it was really really cool cool time and and then when i stopped following me i'd follow in it was it was just absolutely amazing watching this snake do basically what a spearfisher does you know the snake would go to a spot that had some some rocky little caves and little spots for things to be hiding 
it would stick its nose in and then go to the next spot and the next spot. And it was, it was really cool. You know, there's, there's no other animal, not even close that I've seen that hunts like a sea snake does, you know, out in the open, just without a care in the world, you know, very, very, very cool thing. Um, and, and then, then, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll just finish off the trip here. I went to, um, I talked with Jean-Pierre Jordan, um, when I was in Australia and got an invitation to go to South Africa and uh, I decided I wanted to keep going westward around the world, you know, so I could say I've you know been around the world for this trip. Yeah. And uh, some very unique diving out there. Um, flew in and uh, Richards Bay, which is on the east side. Um, it's about uh, probably about like a uh, five or six hundred k south of Mozambique, the Mozambique border. And uh, I spent a lot of time in Cape Vital, which okay. is uh, also the stomp stomping ground of uh, Rob Allen, where he started out of uh, when he was a ranger actually back in Cape Vital. Yep. And uh, it's it was, it was honestly some of the hardest diving I've done. Um, the, the oceans out there at, at Cape Vital are incredibly unpredictable. Um, sea sharks every day, plenty of bull sharks. Um, got charged a couple times out there. Wow. Saw the second white I'd, I'd ever seen out there, which is, which is a pretty funny story, actually. Yep. And um, saw, saw tons of dolphins and sea turtles. And, but you could go five hours. And, and I did. I actually went five hours one time without seeing a single fish on a reef. Single single game for a fish worth shooting, mm-hmm. and um, and it was on that day a, a 25 kilo GT just came right up right up gave me a broadside before it went to dip, mm-hmm. and uh, and I just quickly hit the camera and, and punched a shot and and uh, no float lines I was able to um, it was a gill plate shot as well so it clamped the gill plate which if you're close enough I really do recommend you know, on all these game fish if you're close enough and um, you know I either get a stone shot which is always the best but. A gill plate shot is also good. I mean, it, it prevents the fish from breathing a little bit more, so it it can't fight as hard as it say would normally, um, yeah, which yep. allowed me to to fight it without giving any line. I mean, otherwise, a, a 25 kilo GT would have would have just dragged me. Would it would have just would have had its way with me. <laughs> B- buried you and uh-huh. bent your spear. Yeah. 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 No, but but instead it was it was really good. I got some great footage bringing them up and uh, ended up shooting uh, my first wahoo out there as well, which was a very easy wahoo to shoot. I was a little. A little disappointed, but then I realized that was just a fluke. It was uh, never going to be that easy again. <laughs> but uh, but no, there, there really is no no fish that fights like a wahoo. I have to definitely have to agree with that. The, the way they just spin your reel off is outstanding, and and uh, it was really cool. And you know, um, I drove a lot with uh, Jean Pierre's uh, dad, Quis Jordan, and that guy is that guy is God, he, like Barry Paxman and um, and uh, like Tommy Botha in South Africa, and, and even Rob Allen as well. You know. That that old school generation, you know, uh, Terry Moss as well. Got to add him to that list. Yeah. They, uh, they they've seen so much spearfishing. They've been so many places that uh, they they just become. I mean, at least from what I've seen with Barry and uh, and Kuss and and Tommy Botha, they're just such hard divers. And, yep. uh, and, and I mean, it, it was incredible trying to keep up with this guy. You know, the the amount of pace that he set was it was absolutely incredible. <laughs> um, so yeah, so so did did a couple. I did about a month and a half there and uh, saw a lot of fish. Saw my second white. Um, it, it was almost a nonchalant event. So the white came in underneath me and him, and I was like, oh, "That's a funny looking bronze. Nope, bull. Nope, that's the white." Wow. Then he kind of dipped out again real quick, and I, I just popped my head up to Kuss, and I was like, "Hey, Kuss, is that a white?" Yo, Daniel. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> that's a good accent. Well done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, uh, depending on the country, I mean, I, I can hold the accent, you know, pretty well uh, if I, if I've been been around it for a little while. But yeah, no, it was it was so funny. We, we just kept diving, and that and that's really um. I mean, everybody has their own way they want to deal with sharks. I, I completely respect that. And this uh, this past weekend, I was diving Cape Agulhas with uh, five other guys. It was, it was the largest group I'd ever been with. And 
a couple of them had only been diving for about a year. And um, on, on one dive, you know, there was probably a, anywhere from four to five meter great white. I couldn't, couldn't quite tell his size because he was moving away from me. But um, I saw, saw that white when I was down at about uh, 18 meters on the bottom. Wow. So, you know, so he was going the other way. He wasn't interested in me. I don't think he even saw me, to be honest, or I hope he didn't see me. <laughs> and uh, hit the surface and tell the other guys. And they all, they all jumped for the boat. But I was like, you know, it's, it's no worries, you know. And I, I know quite a few other people, you know, that have been around that, that believe that as well, that uh, if you act like you're afraid of the shark, the shark can sense that. It senses your heart rate. senses the way that you are in the water um, versus if you act uh, kind of like a dog. If you, with a dog, if you act like you're the, you're the alpha, um, good chance that they'll pull away, and that's that's been my, it's at least been my fortune so far. I haven't dealt with any of the sharks in Indonesia, though. Here, they're they're a bit of a different story. Yeah, we're we're about to produce a 101 sharks episode. Funny, we should be talking about it, and um, we've been talking to a few sort of characters. One of the guys we've talked to is a guy named Rennie now over there in South Africa, and he was attacked by a great white, mm-hmm. and his uh, his stories about him are mm-hmm. friggin' crazy. He, um, he he's not a fan of them at all. Um, <laughs> thoroughly unpredictable is kind of the message I got from his thing. Like, oh, we've talked to a few people that have dived with big white sharks, and the more you kind of look into the, their behaviour, the more puzzled you become in some ways. Um, but uh, yeah, awesome to hear your experience. Joining us today, SpearedApparel.com. That's right, guys. They, uh, the team at Speed have put together a special just for listeners of the New Spirit podcast. You can save 10% on their full range of apparel and the new Novo wetsuit. Head over to speedapparel.com and use the code NOOBERS. How do you spell that, Turbo? N-O-O-B-E-R-S. Thanks, NOOBERS. So head on over to speedapparel.com and use the code NOOBERS to save 10% and uh, get into a comfy wetsuit. I guess, like, getting now to the next part of the show we've heard some awesome stuff about your stories and adventures Dan I wanted to move into Veterans Vault where we can sort of like dial in on some sort of specific actionable information for our audience to sort of draw on for their own traveling adventures um so one thing I really wanted to ask was like when you're flying into different countries what sort of equipment do you always keep and what do you replace on the ground in in your new country and uh that'll do for starters I guess yeah, yeah, no. Uh, gear travel is a is an expensive lesson to learn. I found out. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I started the trip with three spear guns and, and a bunch of stuff, and my lead weight actually, which <laughs> turns out is, is not a not a hot idea depending on how you're doing things. Um, I, I eventually ended up shipping back the other two guns. If you're if you're gonna if you want to do some sort of a world something like what I've done, uh, you know, traveling around the world or going far out, um, definitely if you can try to talk to some spearos in the in the area. Um, they, they can provide you with lead weight. That's that's a huge, huge thing. Um, pick pick one gun. Um, I, like I said, I'm using a, a Rife Euro 120 in closed track. Um, I can set it up with my reel quickly. I can set up a breakaway quickly, or I can attach the float line to the gun itself. Yep. There are three distinctly different methods. I can add a flopper to it or a slip tip. Um, I brought three spears with me for this trip, two floppers and a slip tip. Okay. Um, when I actually, when I, when I got to got to the Raw Balance store in Durban, he straightened them out for me and uh, noted how bent they were. <laughs> and I said, well, yes, after this one, I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed with how long they did survive, how long they did last, and, and how I was able to still you know, punch through fish with them. Um, but as far as gear you bring, minimalism, really. It's, it's pack, pack exactly what you need and then weigh it and pair that to your, to your airline, which is something I did not do. I, I paid, I think it was 200 or $230 
when I went to go to New Zealand. Mm. Then when I went to leave New Zealand, I paid another couple hundred to ship a lot of those guns back. And I didn't pay anything to go to Australia. But then when I went to go from Western Australia to a bit more again, because it was a different airline and I hadn't done my research. So okay. it really was a bit of laziness there that I found out. Um, yeah, look, um, I guess so So with your spear gun and your shafts, are you putting them in like a bit of um, plumber's tubing or how are you sort of carrying it? Yeah, um, I did a post on this a while ago. Um, okay. I'll try to link that as well to yeah, you yeah. guys. You can show cool. pictures as well. But, but the, the rough description is this. Um, I use a uh, sport tube. Um, okay. They're their largest model. Um, and the thing, the thing's pretty big. It weighs about five kilos. Um, the, <laughs> the tires on it went out a while ago. A buddy of mine in Bundaberg um, actually put like big, thick tires on it. Because <laughs> I was just dragging. I was just, the tires seized up, and I was just flattening the tires. I was like, whatever. you know, got to keep going. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so I so when when I'm traveling, it, it's a it's a 90 liter backpack that has my laptop, my cameras, my clothing, um, my medical kit, everything else in it. And and I do I strongly recommend bringing a medical kit and knowing the medical kit. Okay. Um, I, I was called I was called on to save lives in um in South Africa, not not in the water um after the car crash, but was very happy I had that. No, um, and it's just as likely you know that somebody somebody slips with a knife. I would say would be the most likely thing or. The boat hits a wave too hard and somebody lands on a spear. I've almost seen that happen. Yeah. Uh, so definitely worth, very, very worthwhile keeping there. You know, if <laughs> even if you just got a couple band-aids now. And uh, but anyway, yeah, no. Um, everything fits into the sport tube. You know, my my fins, my dive bag, my float line. Um, I try to shed the weights when I can. I was I was a little bit a little bit sad to have to shed my weights when I left Australia though because. Uh, yep. They were specialty weights. They were actually shaped uh, like uh, grenades. Right. Which, uh, <laughs> you can buy the, You can buy that mold. Actually, you can buy that at our sponsor spearfishing.com.au. You can you can buy the mold on there, so you can sort of make them yourself anywhere. Um, there's actually been a few things we've talked about. This. So you got the sports um, case. What, what brand sports case is that? Sorry. Um, it actually is called the Sport Two. That is, that okay. is its brand. Um, right. It's it, imagine it's just it's like two cups or two. Um, Two halves of a of a of a tube yep. um, that will slide together, so you can you can extend them to any length you want. And right now, actually, uh, as I go from um, go from Cape Town to to Dubai in a few days here, um, the the maximum size they allow before they start charging you is 150 centimeters. Which, as it happens, my spear gun and my slip tip, when I bend my slip tip spear, will fit into that, <laughs> but my floppers will not. Uh, so it, it brought me to a to a funny situation where I was uh, I was actually about to cut off the ends and I was going to use like smaller spears when I got back to the states, um, but uh, I ended up working out a deal with uh, with uh, with Tommy and uh, he's he's going to take them off my hands as he builds me a new gun, um, a new uh, new reverse roller. Ooh, yeah, so it's so it's pretty cool. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm very excited. Later, more to be on that later as uh, as he finishes it up here. Um, as we speak, he's actually finishing it up, which is nice. But no, I mean, I'm, traveling on airplanes, it really is an absolute pain. I mean, the, I, I can't stress enough. I mean, if, if it, at all it's possible and you have a friend in another country, ask to use their gun when you get there. It's The, the gun especially is so long, it's, it's very, very difficult. Mm. Um, and and that, that's what takes up like the, the most amount on it. I've, uh, I've lost a lot of gear on this trip, and I've mailed a lot back home. I really am just down to the absolute basics of, of what I've got. And, uh, and that's really just what you need. You know, uh, I use a small float. It's um, I think it's a... Uh, like a 20 liter maybe yeah. uh by pro blue um it, you can, yeah. yeah you can play it with your mouth um it's not it's not the cheapest you can get yeah but it's close you know yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, i know the one i use the same one i think but i think mine's maybe 15 liter um but th yeah that's pretty much that's my go -to. 15 liters yeah 
Uh, JBL makes an almost identical one. Um, I actually bought the, I bought the second one and had the Adreno guys at Brisbane, or I'm sorry, the Adreno guys at um, Sydney help me rig it up. Um, uh-huh. it was, it, it's good. It's it's nothing I want to go shoot dog tooth with. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, but um, but no, I mean it, it does the job. You know, especially for filming, it's great. So I can spear spear kingy and have that breakaway go out and then you know get the camera in there and not worry about the fish reefing and then having to deal with all that mess. Yeah. So it's. It's, it's a really good little setup. Um, other than that, everything else just kind of fits in the tube. Um, traveling, just every time you have to make one more travel, you have to go from A to B, does become a bit of bit of work. Um, and, and again, when I was in New Zealand, I had the uh, the backpacker camper van, and that was just a dream. That that I have to say, I, I got the most out of uh, New Zealand because of that. if I if I went back and I spent if I did five months in uh, Australia with a backpacker camper van, I think it would have been a much much more even than I, than I already was uh, was blessed to to get to spear. Yeah, nice. Okay, cool. All right. Um, so for for guys that are looking to um, you know do a bit of travel themselves, and they you know so you've already sort of talked about visiting the airline and sort of seeing what their rules and restrictions are, and we've talked about the yep. sports tube case and kind of minimizing equipment and borrowing it when and where you can. Um, what things don't you compromise on? Like what gear is absolutely going in there? I mean, are you particular with your mask and snorkel? I mean, uh, your wetsuit, what, what, what are you sort of, what's your guidelines for that? Um, what do you mean? Is as far as uh, how much gear I have to be able to bring? Nah, so like, you know, like you, you were saying, what can't you travel without? I think like, yeah, what, yeah, there's plenty, that? plenty that you can sort of shed, but what are the, what are the necessities that you wouldn't leave home without? So first aid kit, I was interested in maybe what you want in that specifically and, and, but also your spearfishing equipment. Okay. Well, yeah, well, in a minute here, I'll grab my med kit so I can actually look at it and, and go through it with you. But, uh, as far as the spear gun, I mean, having everything as together as possible is good. I mean, like I said, my, my rife can be a real gun. It can be a breakaway. It can be a you know a float line and whatnot, and that all helps out. Yeah. I, I think honestly, I have a hard time imagining um, more gear or or shedding gear at this point because um, my my last flight here, I, I absolutely shedded everything that wasn't 100% essential. Um, and, and I would say, you know what? Because I I have no love for the airlines. I have absolutely no love after what I've been through, <laughs> <laughs> especially Doha. Oh, I've got nothing good for them. Okay. But but anyway, <laughs> I had to get that jab in. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> done. Good. I uh, <laughs> one trick that occurred to me as I was I was fifteen was I was ten kilos over suddenly because they had this new restriction. Uh, Barry was a huge help. Barry Barry helped me out and uh, helped me you know get where I had to do and do what I had to do. And um, it, it occurred to me you know because I was still several kilos over. So I'm not a big guy, you know. I'm I'm not way too much, but you know, next to me could be sitting some huge sumo wrestler, and then they charge him the same ticket price. Well, that's not right. I said, well, well, hold on. All this clothing, that's weight. I can wear that clothes, all those clothes on the plane. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, so, so I boarded the plane with, uh, with my biggest cargo pants and uh, <laughs> pants on underneath that and a couple shirts and a couple like my jacket and my, my thermal lines. And, um, yeah, I just I boarded it with as much as I could. You know, um, when, when I do go to board the plane, though, I, I do. I check my sport tube. I usually... Usually I check my backpack, and the biggest thing in the backpack is I have a, I have a huge laptop um, to do my work, to do my, my, you know, my, all my work on and whatnot, so, so that takes up a lot of space. Yep. If it wasn't for, for the laptop and whatnot, I could get away with a much smaller backpack that I could probably just check in, and that, that would definitely save me a bit of money. But a lot of airlines are actually pretty decent about letting you have two check-ins. Um, I know with Emirates right now, they allow me um, two check-ins for, for economy class, two check-ins, both of... Uh, up to 23 kilos each, oh, no. and that's of 150 centimeters. So it's 
it's actually pretty generous. But I mean, if you want to bring some some big tuna gun, you know, you're not so likely. And 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 I hate to say, it, and this is this is why I'm actually getting, or one of the reasons I'm getting the reverse roller from Tommy. Part of the reason is because I bounced a spear off of a tuna this past weekend, and I'd like a little more power. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, the other reason is the uh, is the length. You know, a a, um, a roller or a, a reverse roller is going to be much shorter and give you more, if not you know, more power really than a traditional yep. um, spear gun. And that that reduced amount of length. It's huge. I mean, it's good in the water too. You know, you can talk about how good it is to swivel it in the water, maneuvering in the kelp. It's good for that too. Um, you know, rollers have their drawbacks when it comes to little parts breaking and uh, and trying to you know, load them as quickly for sure. But but for the travel sake, I I do wish I had done this trip with a roller. It would have saved me a hell of a lot of headache. Mm, yeah. um, I wish I traveled. You know, I mean, I've I've easily spent you know six six or seven hundred dollars just in luggage fees that I could have avoided. Yeah. Um, and, and you, you really don't run into any trouble. When when I go to declare it at the airports and when I go to go into different countries, that I say, um, <laughs> what is that BS that I say? No, it's a, I say uh, under, I say um, snorkeling, free diving, and fishing equipment yeah. or underwater f- equipment <clears throat> is a very good, underwater fishing is, is specific. You know, nobody can say that you're lying probably. Don't, don't hold me to this. You know, don't, don't call me from, from any airports. Um, <laughs> and then the only place I, I know of that you can't travel with a spear gun, Dave Mullins ran into this is uh, I'm not sure if it's all of China or uh, just Hong Kong, but he, he went to go through China and um, yeah, they, they took it very, very seriously. Yeah, right. um, and actually, actually, I myself have something I can't take with me now that I would like to, um, a very interesting piece of gear that e- each country has different boat setups and different slight gear adjustments. But um, South Africa has a, has a different policy on sharks than uh, right. ethically, mm. than, uh, than especially California, say, would. You know, if you... If you kill a shark for well, because you don't want the shark there, people people would frown at you quite heavily, and and with good reason. Um, but you know, South Africa kind of plays by different rules. And uh, one thing I saw in some of the floats here, or the uh, the float flashers, was these two tubes. These two tubes are sticking out of this like foam. It was just a hard foam they just bought at a store. They made it themselves. Um, but these these um these metal these are like little little metal um little metal tubes. <laughs> each had a 357 round in it yeah. and all you do is and they made it themselves with a little bit of a little bit of hose uh piping yeah. in there and so you know a shark comes around and they put it on the end of their spear on uh, any spear they can use it on yeah. and they and they can pull the shot off that way and they can they can use it that way so uh, unfortunately it's not something i'm going to be able to bring with me it's still got a 357 round in it and <laughs> i feel like they would frown upon that yeah. well pretty much everywhere that i'm going yeah 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 well uh, they count as a firearm because um as soon as you put it on the end of a spear gun and the tip impacts the primer, it's actually a proper bullet and you've now got a firearm. So, yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, it's that's actually a fairly common practice. It's just not not talked about very much for good reason. Um, but, yeah, no, that's that's interesting. Okay, so what what else is in your dive bag? So you've got a, a mask and snorkel. What mask and snorkel are you using and do you take them with you? Yeah, oh, no, I, absolutely. I mean, my, my core dive gear is what comes with me, my okay. fins, my, my custom wetsuit. Yep. Um, I keep I keep the actual belt itself, though. It's, it's you know, the rubber belt with yep. its clips. Mm. And, um, and and specifically, and I, I highly recommend a quick-release weight belt. Okay. I've been using it since I started. It's, it's never fallen off accidentally. But in, in the event of me needing to ditch my gear, I simply just, just kind of smack it to one side. Right. And it will completely come off. It's, it's very, very good. Um, uh, Josh, the owner of Neptonic Systems, actually helped me do that once upon a time back in the day. Okay. Um, but no, I mean, my uh, as far as my mask goes, my mask I actually bought 
some six years ago off of Amazon. It's it's a no it's just no brand. Um, I mean, it was <laughs> it's like twenty bucks. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, it's simple, but it works. I mean, geez, you, you look at Barry Paxman's mask. That guy's <laughs> rocking a uh, what is that? An Indo yeah, big yeah. old wide frame. I, yeah. I I couldn't resist even doing some pictures with it. Things ridiculous, but but you know he makes it work for him. Yeah. It it really really is what works for you. I, I've used um eventually I will have to start using um another mask, especially one that has a GoPro mount on it, as that's how I'd like to start doing um some more of my filming. Um, but no, it's it's a larger mask. It's it's not low volume whatsoever. Um, but that's what I've become used to. It gives me a good field of view. You know, I'm not blocked out really at all. Yeah, cool. Um, and I like I like having that that extra field of view. You know, it's. But no, it's a very, very simple one, and um, I can't remember what brand my snorkel would be, but your snorkel, of, of course, should always just be a tube. It shouldn't have some fancy strainer thing on it. No, it should just be a flexible, a semi-flexible uh, rubber tube. It should feel comfortable in your mouth. Yeah. Um, all my gear is is incredibly worn and incredibly basic. You know, yep. um, I would say the only thing in my gear that's maybe a, a bit nicer than the rest is uh, I use uh, C4 Red Falcon uh, 100% carbon fins. Okay. Um, I made the switch from plastic to uh, to carbons uh, about a year and a half ago, and it is good. I like it. Um, yep. But for me personally, with with my gear, um, it needs to be simple and it needs to not break. And I know that sounds easy, but um, I mean, I've used other guns. I've used um, some some of the pipe guns, some of the cheaper ones before when I was in San Diego, and and the the trigger mechanism would jam or something would happen to it, or you know, if it got hit against the side of the boat, you know, it, it would it would dent. It would put a serious dent in it. Yep. And I do like wood guns for that sake. You know, I'm traveling from you know New Zealand, um, Australia, and South Africa. You you definitely see a, a majority of pipe guns, mm. uh, carbon fiber or aluminum guns. Yep. So uh, so so naturally, the guy's got to give you some grief for for carrying around a wood gun. But but I really like the I like the sturdiness of it. I like it as a filming platform. I like it as a you know a spear as well. I, I know that when I get you know if I get bashed up against the rocks, if I if it falls out of the bag, when it gets somebody kicks it on the boat, you know, I never know what kind of boat I'm going on to next. I just somebody gives me an offer on a boat. They say that they'd like me to join them, and I say thank you, you know, and I offer to do everything I can while I'm on there. But you never really know what the setup is, and yeah, and, and, and that's a big thing, you know, getting out there with other guys on the boat and uh, making sure that your gear is where you need it, yeah, no. and uh, not getting in the way of theirs, you know, so that's that's a big deal. Yeah, it's a compelling point you make. So I'm pretty happy to wrap up um, equipment there for your Veterans Vault and traveling. Um, I did want to ask you a little bit more about networking and how you managed to build relationships with Sparrows in these places you've been to and kind of some maybe some practical advice for other guys wanting to replicate some of your uh, some of your exploits. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I, I started my Adventure Man Dan Facebook and YouTube really with with this idea i figured if i could make somewhat of a of a known name for myself that i could put a reputation behind that yeah and um and then you know from that reputation you know that i'd be able to go out and dive with guys um the the nz spiro forum um for for new zealand obviously their their facebook page uh that, that was was instrumental to say the least uh for me spearing there you know i was i was putting posts out it's it really does come down to you have to put yourself out there as far as you can and Sometimes that means, you know, some some of the keyboard warriors saying some things about you, or, or uh, you know, just not getting replies back. Um, definitely, definitely, it's not always a guarantee that you're going to get out with people. It it depends incredibly on the area. You know, if you um, if you post, you know, that you've never been spearfishing before, and you're looking to go out with somebody in, say, San Diego, you may have a hard time finding someone. But if you do that, say, in um, in, in New Zealand, there'd probably be a few guys that would say, like, hey, I'll take you. I'll show you the ropes. Um, so for other guys looking to replicate, you know, kind of what I've done and get out with a lot of people, um, it really just does come down to just 
being a good bloke. I mean, I, yeah, yeah. I don't really know how else to say it. You know, it's, um, I do a lot of networking. I do I message a lot of people. Um, the, the other kind of funny advice is uh, compliment their fish pictures. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, there, there, there is a huge sense of pride. You know, what you spear, there's, it's, there's a huge sense of pride. You had to work for it. You saw it. You know, there, there's a huge in, emotional investment. When you, I mean, you know, my, my biggest fish, you know, for sure, if somebody says, like, that's the best fish I've ever seen. Hey, do you want to go spearfishing sometime? <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty inclined to say yes at that point, you know. And, um, and, if that's so, and, 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 and sometimes, you know, I mean, with, with certain people, it's not the same. I mean, I, I know, for instance, um, even back when I was in New Zealand, I knew eventually I'd get to Western Australia. And I knew that I wanted to die with Barry Paxman, but I, I knew he didn't know me. Yep. And um, so, I mean, so I talked with, with when I went diving with Darren Shields, with everybody I could, you know, try to get a foot in the door. And if you can, that's really great. It's awesome when somebody can say like, hey, there's this guy, he's, he's heading this way, you know, give him a, give him a lift. But I was, I was very fortunate, you know, I, um, I was posting like I always do. I like to make stories and uh, well, show the stories, I guess, from, from spearfishing wherever I go. And um, I noticed one of the likes was from Barry Paxman. And I was like, all right, well, this is as good a time as any, and, and I just sent him a message, you know, and just just kind of kind of laid out, you know, how it was. You know, hey, I'm a I'm a guy from San Diego. You know, I, I write for a couple of spear, I've written for a few spearfishing magazines, and uh, and I, I really love you know what you've done. You know, I really love uh, your, your what you're seeing you in uh, One Fish Legends and things yeah, like yeah. that. And good day, good day. And, uh, and I I'd love to get out with you, and, and you never really know kind of what response you're going to get. It, it's it's pretty tough. Um, but you know, in Barry's case, you know, he picked me up from the airport like 12 at night. You know, it was it was fantastic. <laughs> oh, and uh, you know, you, you really can't ask that. You know, some guys just go out of their way, and, and other guys you just have a spot on the boat. So yeah. you you really have to be ready for anything. Um, another huge way that I've been able to do this, and I do get asked that quite a bit, is how are you affording to go spearfishing for a year around the world? Yeah. Um. It turns out your kidneys, if they're clean, are worth like forty grand. You know, so that's a good way to start. Uh, <laughs> no, um, no, I know uh, those people that, that have dove with me and have uh, been around me a little bit. No, no uh, drink at all. I never have, um, and I don't smoke and uh, or do anything else. So, so that kind of saves quite a bit of money right there. You know, not not buying beer. You'd really be surprised how much people will spend in in a year. I, I know there's an Australian, you know, that I'm talking to right now. So, so you- man, I'm cringing here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> but I'm I'm a 70 kilo lightweight, so like two beers and I'm gone. So it doesn't really worry me. It's Shrek over here that can. Uh, it's really a, it's eight thirty in the morning, Daniel. He's 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 ready to have a beer now. <laughs> Tongue and fire. Because <laughs> he loves a good VB first thing in the morning. Oh, shut up. <laughs> so, yeah, but uh, good insight, good cultural insight there too, Daniel, about Australians and drinking. So, yeah, good, well done. Australians, Australians are, are a lot of fun. Though. I'll, I'll tell you, what, if you want a crazy night out, you know Aussies oh, know Aussies know. Definitely. But uh, but no, um, no. I mean, I've I've always had money saved up. You know, I've always been working hard and and uh, not not going not going out, not spending it on frivolous things if I could help yeah. it. And uh, that, that was basically is I saved up a lot of money. And um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Couchsurfing. Yeah. Um, it's it's a website, kind of like Facebook. Um, you make a little profile. And um, it's meant for travelers or people that want to host. And, uh, you know, basically, if you have a house, say, I, well, I've hosted probably 10 or 12 people in San Diego. And um, that helped build up a reputation for me on this website because you write references. Yeah, yeah, nice. And um, so, from, so, so, yeah, so from there, I mean, there are a lot of options out there. You know, um, I stay in hostels. I'm, I'm in a hostel right now. And, and I'm very blessed at the moment to have a room by myself. But it's, it's really not like that very often. I mean, I, <laughs> I had some guy from the U.K., coming in at four o'clock in the morning, waking us up, and then as soon as he hits the bed, was able to sleep and snore loud enough to keep us all awake. And, <laughs> yeah, so, 
so no, so it, it's not easy. You know, I, I try to make my my trips and my adventures look as is all fun and, and no work, but but the truth is a whole lot goes into it. Yep. I mean, sometimes it does not feel worth it. I gotta say, you know, sometimes you know it's it's man, you come back, you've got no fish, you spend a bunch of money on gas, you know, for the person, which which you have to do. You have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's another huge thing. Is, is your boat etiquette has to be on point. You have to be there on time, willing to help out with whatever's going on. Um, you know, always listen to the captain, whosever boat it is. You're willing to take your turn at the boat, um, being a good diver when you're in the water. You know, not trying to snake his fish and you know take a fish when it's coming in for him. Yeah. Um, I always try to do a little bit of footage and get some pictures of their boat. Uh, everybody likes to see pictures of their boat. You know, it's, it's their baby. That's that's a, that's their that's their precious. You know, so yeah, that's man. a big thing. And and uh, and then obviously paying for gas and it's more than gas so you're paying for the wear and tear on the boat you're paying for anything else and trying to clean the boat after is, is a huge huge deal so kind of all these things balling them up together you know that yeah, man. that uh that that confidence to, to just kind of go out and uh put yourself out there and let people know hey i'm i'm coming to this area trying to give them a little bit of a heads up um would anybody like to spear you know i'd really like to do this area and uh and uh, i would say the last bit of advice on that that i haven't dealt with too much in South Africa, because not not too many people are trying to trying to get here for spearfishing. Um, there are good fish, though it though it is a it is a tough country, though. But um, but no, is uh, is is people spots. You know, if, if you look at the posts that I put, I like to I like to say kind of where I'm at. And some of my posts will say Western Australia. Some of them will say maybe even Perth, but they will never say the beach or or where I launch from. Yeah. Mm. Um, out of out of complete respect for for the guys that I dive with. Those are their spots. Those are they. As far as I'm concerned, you know, I would never go back to them if I didn't, if I didn't know them uh, myself. I didn't find them myself, and really, only in New Zealand was I able to go out and find my own spots, which, which were some of my best dives, though. Some of my best dives in the far Northland, getting, getting monster craze and kingies, and those are good. But, yeah, cool. but th- those are that would be my advice, though, for, um, for traveling around is, is get yourself out there. Don't, don't be afraid of the naysayers. You know, you just, you really got to get yourself out there and, uh, and compliment the fish pictures. You know, that's so big. Guys, head on over to penetratorfins.com. They are proud sponsors of today's Noob Spiro podcast. We're happy to announce a code you can use to save yourself $20 on any blade purchase. That's right, save $20, pump in the code Noob Spiro, check out penetratorfins.com, save yourself some dough on some fins and get yourself some of the best fins going with $25 flat rate international shipping and a full international warranty. Larry's the man. Thanks, Penetrator. Cool man. All right, let's. Uh, we've nice. we've we've had a longer chat today. It's been really good, Dan. I want to move into sort of our our final fast round. So we've. Uh, this is the first time we've really introduced this new segment. It used to be called like five tips for new guys or whatever. We're, fast five facts for noobs. Come on, mate. We're just gonna do Spiro Q and A though. Now it's way more blokey. This was never run by me. Nah, he didn't approve it. I just <laughs> chucked it in there, Dan. So. Oh, too bad. I, I actually I I wrote down five things. Let's go oh, with yeah. it. Our last yeah. ever fast five yeah. facts for noobs. Yes. All right, that'll go well with the whippersnapper we've got in the background. Yeah, sorry, mate. We're very professional. Some guys mowing the lawn next door is killing me. <laughs> if, it, if it's all right, if it's all right with you, I'm just going to run through the five. If that's okay. Yeah, that's man. Far away. Go for it. Okay. Uh, the, the first one I think you guys will appreciate, though. Um, uh, five things for for new spirits, you know, trying to trying to get into it, trying to learn what they can. Podcasts seem to hold the most direct information about spearfishing. So number one, wow. listen to Noob Spiro. <laughs> ah, shit, you're coming back Tell for round any two. Time. <laughs> Compliment their podcast. Oh, yeah. look at him, he wants a trip. 
<laughs> you got it, Dan. All right, mate. There's a bed here for you. Um, yeah. Number two, just get out there. You know, do a road trip. Get as far away as you can. Don't worry about where the other guys are spearfishing. Don't worry about finding their spot. Go find your own spot X. I mean, I get on Google Maps. I just look. I mean, that, that's how I, that's how I got my my big kingfish. So I, I looked at where was the furthest place in the Coromandel away from everyone else, and and it worked. So so just wow. get out there, get as far away as you can. Uh, number three uh, is, is dive knife. I see a lot of people have dive knives in different places. I really recommend that you have your dive knife somewhere on your hips because your hand can always get it. Um, so that way you can always reach for it with your left or your right hand. Okay. You never know what situation you're going to be in. And if you get tangled, which is a very easy way to, I, I know, I know people that have died because of that. They've gotten tangled and dragged under or couldn't get up. So have your dive knife, like at a spot, easily ready accessible. Yep. Um, number four, always chase something new. Challenge yourself out there. You know, um, for me, it's, it's, uh, it's about film fish and, uh, and feasts. I love putting on these huge dinners. I mean, uh, Today I fed, and, I, and I'm not kidding with you. You know, some almost 20 South Koreans. They uh, oh, wow. they like fish. They like fish a lot. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah so, cool. So 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 for me, I'm trying to get my biggest fish, um, my biggest fish on film, and then I'm also trying to feed the most number of people. You know that that really excites me. I really get into that. And yeah, then uh, the last thing I'd recommend for um, for new spiros is uh, mental preparation or mental mental visualization. I, I do a lot about that. I kind of create these situations in my head and think about. How the fish would react, how the or whatever I'm hunting, or or how a shark would react a lot of times, and it also helps a lot of times for identifying things. I know with lingcod, if you mentally visualize the old, it'll kind of appear magically almost, and uh, and that would help out. So, yeah, right. so the five things: listen to the podcast, just get out there, knife where you can always get it, always something new, and uh, mental preparation. Ah oh, man. Yeah. That's love probably it. the best fast five we've had. Uh, he was on you to it. You even recapped your own fast five. I loved it. That was, Mate, that was great, man. You can come back round two. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, look, we're going to link up a hell of a lot of the videos right. you've chatted about in this, Dan, and, and some of the other equipment. We're gonna, I'll, I'll have that listed in the show notes. It'll be, uh, if people just search for Adventure Man Dan or at Noob Spiro, your interview will pop right up on Google. Um what what else would you, would you want our audience to come and have a look at, Dan? You on so you're on YouTube. I'll link that up. You on Facebook? Yes, yes. Um, Adventure Man Dan on Facebook. It, it's going pretty well. I, I get quite a bit of attention on that. Um, as far as this trip goes, the Facebook is, is pretty much up to date. There's only a couple of dives I haven't put in there for for writing sake, so I can I can write for a couple of magazines on them. Yeah. Um, but but the the Facebook is very up to date. It tells the trips. It, it I put a little article in there. You know, last one I wrote was a uh, thousand two hundred words. You know, so quite a bit in there. Um, the YouTube goes very much so into depth, but I am nine months behind um, <laughs> on, <laughs> on the footage. But it, it goes in depth. I tell the stories. Uh, I have original music from, from artists that I know, you know, um, to put in the videos. And, and I, I do have an Instagram as well. Um, it's a bit of a mess. I just throw pictures up from the past. I don't think I've ever put a picture up that was from the day it happened. <laughs> so, um, so, but, so yeah. But, but Adventure Man Dan, feel free to check out uh, those three. And um, and I, I know you guys do a bit of a bit of a call to action. Um, section, yep, and I was hoping yeah. actually to jump onto that one because I have on, something buddy. pretty, Far. yeah, yeah, pretty pretty particular here that I want to want to talk about. Um, so so I'm coming to the end of this this world trip. It'll be over. It'll be about a year and a month when I get back to San Diego. Um, and, I, and I've been planning what I want to do next when I do get back. How I want to kind of chase the next adventure because it really is for me. It's about adventure. It's it's not just a catchy name. No, I, I really do. I really do enjoy the adventure. Um, so so the what I'm planning when I do get back is uh, planning up for a few months, and uh, essentially at the start of uh, start of June, 
what I call West Coast of North America Spearfishing and Adventure Tour. Okay. So uh, what I'm what I'm planning on doing is getting a, an RV and a uh, and a travel trail, you know, a, a caravan or a um, or a pickup truck, and uh, going from Alaska, whole coast all the way down through British Columbia, Washington, wow, Oregon, California, Baja Norte, and Baja Sur. Um, it's about a I estimate it'll be about a four to five month trip. Um, I'll, I'll be targeting a few, uh, if I can, a few um, world records, especially the Alaskan halibut and um, and a few other fish that, that I've just never seen speared. You know, there's quite a few fish I don't see much footage of being speared on, and uh, Alaska, for for a lot of reasons, hasn't been speared too much. And uh, I'd like to put some more for, more uh, footage in on British Columbia. But for this trip, um, I'm actually looking for a partner. I think I'd like to like to do a trip not just solo. I'd like to have somebody there in the water with me, somebody that that I could film, somebody that could film me, and. Uh, Somebody that could, uh, you know, be a, be a part of the trip and contribute. Tur- Turbo's pretty much already looking at me I, I, like I he's going to ditch me. I was going to say, I reckon we could make Spiro matchmaker here. This yeah, Spiro nice, matchmaker. Yeah. Like send, send your resumes in, your profiles. We might find a match here. Really nice. <laughs> oh, yeah, that'll be cool. Uh, that, that sounds good, Dan. So people can come and find you and have a chat with you if they want to link up with you on your adventure. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, just... just just send a message through. Nothing, nothing too specific. But uh, just looking for anybody who's really in it for the adventure. That's right. that's basically it. You don't care where they come from or what they're, what they look like. Just that they're there to spear and then have fun. All right, man. Um, I, I just wanted to mention a guy, James Fisher, on our Facebook page asked us to interview you as well, Dan. So he's been following your exploits as well as quite a few other people, I believe. So that's cool. Uh, it's been awesome chatting with awesome you, Dan. Chat, and uh, really, really, really cool hearing your stories and adventures from sort of. New Zealand to San Diego, really, and uh, I, I, we wish you well in the future, and I, I hope you have some luck on Spiro Matchmaker. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys very much. Thank you very much for having me. Y'all take care. Oh, good, awesome. buddy. Thanks, Dan. Cheers. Anyway, guys, that was a fantastic interview with Adventure Man Dan. Check out the show notes at noobspiro.com. If you just pump Adventure Man Dan into Google, I'm sure uh, New Spiro site will come up. Check them out for all the links. We're going to link in his social profile. And uh, yeah, check him out. And if you are keen on doing that West Coast tour with him over there in the United States, reach out to him and let him know that uh, we sent you his way. And uh, Turbo, what, what have we got next week? So we're heading to New Zealand to chat with Sebastian Kramer. Originally from Germany, where I think spearfishing's frowned upon. No, I don't think you're allowed to spearfish. Banned, yeah, yeah, banned. that's right. Total yeah. ban. So in two weeks, we've got Sebastian Kramer. He's also a freediving instructor, and he takes um, some trips over to Tonga, and he's he's done a bit of spearfishing travel himself. So if you want to learn even more about spearfishing travel, that'll be another good episode to listen to. And uh, got Turbo, why would people want to sign up to the floater? Oh, mate, the floater is full of just actionable tips. All Everything that's going on around Noob Spiro, and the best thing about it is the codes. You can save money on your next purchase. Explain the codes to us there, Shrek. Well, everyone knows the code Noob Spiro. Check out at spearfishing.com.au. You know, you can save 20 bucks on all gear over 200 But uh, Adreno have also sent a special offer just to people that subscribe to uh, the floater. So head along there, and you can get your hands on a free... Uh, I think it's Adreno Pack. There's a few things in there. Oh, what's in there? Uh, there's gloves, uh, mask keeper. I think it might be something else too, but I can't quite remember the details. Get on there and check it out. <laughs> Nobespiro.com. <laughs> there's something in there. It's a bag of stuff. Get on there and check it out. <laughs> really sold it. No, well, I remember it's got gloves in it. That's the best thing. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Get out in the water. I hope you shoot some fish. Have a great weekend, and we'll chat to you in two weeks' time. 
Guys, if you're looking to improve your freediving and spearfishing, a good set of fins is pretty much mandatory. And the best fins going, in our opinion, are the penetrator fins. So get online, get on to penetratorfins.com and check out the full range there of composites and carbon fiber fins. Composites are tough as nails, they're a fantastic fin, and the carbon fibers are the most reactive fin going. We absolutely love them. Can't kill them either, had them for years, they're still going strong. And the best thing about this is, now we have a code for you guys. So if you pump in Noob Spiro at checkout, you'll save yourself $20 on a set of these great fins. Add to that, we, we now can offer you $25 flat rate shipping internationally. That is absolutely fantastic and a full international warranty from penetratorfins.com. So there's no reason not to get in and get yourself one of the most important pieces of spearfishing equipment. That is a good set of carbon or composite blades. So get in there now, check out all the great designs and get yourself a set of penetrator blades. A big thank you to our sponsor, Adreno. Adreno are one of the world's biggest and best spearfishing stores. They stock a huge range of gear, more than you can imagine. So check them out in store at Brisbane, Sydney, and Melbourne, or get online. If you like your shopping online, check them out at spearfishing.com.au, where you can save $20 on all purchases over $200 when you check out using the code NoobSpiro. So get online and check them out at spearfishing.com.au and use the code NoobSpiro at checkout. 